Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. Yep. And I'm fixing my microphone because it was way too low. I don't know what I was doing. (laughs) Anyways, how are you doing, Tim? Meh. Yeah? You know? Yeah. It's been a tough couple of weeks. I'm not going to pretend like it hasn't been. Not because of anything particular going on. Mm -hmm. I just haven't dealt with it well. That's fair. And I have those, uh, just been a rough time. Yeah. No, I get that. We, uh, well, you know, Tim, but our listeners might not. Candace and I fell ill, was not the Rona virus. Thankfully, we had to get tested and whatnot. But being cooped up at home completely, like not leaving the house for several days, not a fun time. Good yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, that was, that was. Lucky for you, it was a false alarm. Thankfully. <laughs> I know. Or else I'd still be at home. Lindsay sent you guys a soup when she realized you were both down. Yeah. When she heard it was a false alarm, she jokingly said, you make sure I get that soup container back. <laughs> and, and not empty. And? Oh, and not empty. <laughs> I brought it, it back. a false alarm. I brought it back, but it was empty. <laughs> yeah. It was a joke. It was good soup. It was a joke. I know. All right. We got some, uh, some more Gospels. We got a lot of Gospels today. A lot of, uh, a lot of different perspectives on same stories. That's true. Which is a handy thing inside of the synoptics because what it allows us to do is to get a fuller picture. Yeah. Right? I I mean, there's no reason for us to believe that in these short little snippets of stories, any one person is giving us the entire story in all of its detail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, In sort of like Tolkien kind of detail (laughs) of painting the picture, the Gospels would all be their own set Mm -hmm. at that point. But they're just sort of breezing over. But it's always interesting to figure out what different things the authors would find pertinent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, like you see certain authors tend to gravitate towards more detail. Right. Others are really big on using quotations from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. right? Referencing fulfilled prophecies and things of that nature. Uh, yeah, it's just really interesting. Some some people give us a lot of dialogue. Sometimes we get very trimmed down dialogue. You have Mark, who is the man's man. Yeah. He is to the point. Let, let's move on to the right. next thing. Yeah. <laughs> that, when Mark came home and his wife said, how was your trip, your multiple month trip with Peter out doing missions, whatever? Mm-hmm. It's good. <laughs> yeah that's so mark. i resonate with mark yeah because sometimes Lindsay will ask me how was your day and you're not allowed to say good mm, interesting i'll say it's fine <laughs> oh that's great okay so what uh what's the forest for you this week Tim? Ooh. you know this is this is a hard thing for me to do because I don't know if I'm confusing the reading with my sermon prep. Okay, that can happen. Or my sermon <laughs> prep with the reading, but since we're in the exact same spots, sure. I uh, I feel like what I'm seeing is the expression of the glory of God, mm. the day of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about through the prophets the coming of the day of the Lord, and this just feels like the day of the Lord is at hand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
um, and the things that Jesus is going to talk about, the things that he's going to do, and uh, and he's prepping them to pass that baton. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nice, yeah. You, um, Jesus is king. He his authority and his power, and and particularly towards the end as he enters into Jerusalem mm-hmm. and the things that he's doing there, um, is and not will be. Sorry, <laughs> Jesus is king. Oh, and not will be king. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's time. already king. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and and really has been all along. Well, that's yeah, but they don't know. Well, not everyone knows that yet. But yeah, right. so essentially, that's that's kind of what stood out to me is just the Jesus kind of uh, entering into his kingly role. Nice. Yeah, and it starts with the death of Lazarus mm-hmm. in John chapter eleven. John's account of this story is so moving. Mm-hmm. Like it's an emotional account. It is, yeah. John is John is not Mark. John is far more emotional. He is. And and he really does a great job of identifying in short short verse the emotions of everyone involved in this story. Mm-hmm. Particularly Jesus. Yeah. John eleven thirty five, for all of you who say, I'm not good at memorizing the Bible. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. <laughs> You're welcome. Yep, you got a Bible verse. The hardest part of that is remembering John eleven thirty five. Yeah, that's harder than than the verse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's actually this really kind of interesting vignette of a story, right? And there's there's a series of small conversations that are happening. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is ill. Um, and he kind of says to the disciples, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the disciples, Jesus decides he wants to go and visit Lazarus. And the disciples are really pushing back. They're scared of going back. Right. Uh, because the Jews at this point are trying to kill Jesus. Thomas, the doubter, pipes up and he's like yeah let's go that we'll way- get to that but i i cut i cut thomas some slack go ahead. <laughs> he's like yeah let's also go that we can die with him which to me sounds sounds like what peter would say not genuine well i i, I don't think he's like pleased about going to die i think he's like yeah sure let's go and let's all die because that's what's oh, yeah? gonna happen that's the that's how that's i the way you read it that's the way i read it but maybe mm. anyways maybe that's just yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it could go either way. Yeah. In, in any ways, Jesus arrives and Martha's upset, right? And she says, you know, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. Not just her, but like people looking on. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like all those all those people who are standing around, air quotes, mourning mm-hmm. with the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems that they're just looking at Jesus like, hey. You've you've been putting on a show for everyone else. Mm. Where were you on this? Yeah, yeah. And and Jesus is like he'll rise again. And she's like, yeah, I I know that Jesus. I know in the resurrection, he'll be back. Right. And Jesus is like resurrection. He's like I am the resurrection. Ooh, ooh, and the life. Mm. Right. And and so he's like, do you believe this? Right. Which is such an important question. I think when, when we talk about the person of Christ, like 
when we talk with anyone about that and when we ask ourselves about this, like we've read all these things, we, we hear all these things about who Jesus is. Do you believe it? Right. Right. Like you can know it, but do you actually believe Jesus is who he says he is? Right. D- not just believe it to the point of like, oh yeah, that's, that's what I believe. But to the point that you're like, no, I, I've got nowhere else. To, like Peter mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. you, in, in you are the words of life. Where else will we go? Mm-hmm. This is this is all I've got mm-hmm. because I believe to that degree. Yeah. And when Jesus weeps, when Jesus weeps, this whole scene, Mary comes, she's devastated as well. Jesus is weeping. Um and then I mean Jesus prays and and Lazarus is raised from the dead. Why do you think Jesus is weeping when he knows for a fact he has not lost his friend? I think he has sympathy or empathy for the people who are hurting yeah i agree I, I i feel like what he's doing is he's just in this situation he is experiencing and watching the war the people that are his image bearers mm-hmm. the pinnacle of creation crushed mm-hmm. by the fallen nature of this world mm-hmm and it gets to him. Yeah. Right? He's not he's not cold. No. E- even like there there are times when Jesus says things like oh, oh but the food is for the children and not for the dogs. Right, right. Right? Or or you know repent you brood of vipers. Whatever it is that he he has these things that he says that just feel like really quick and cold. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But that's not who he is. Yeah. Like he's He's pleading with this moment and the moment when he says, Israel, how often would I have gathered you like a mother hen gathers Mm -hmm. her chicks, but you wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Those two moments to me just stand out Mm -hmm. to show the affection Mm -hmm. of Christ for humanity Mm -hmm. in, in such a special way. I see the transition of him weeping to him raising Lazarus from the dead as an, a great picture of the two natures of Christ, mm-hmm. right? Fully God, fully man. Well right? done. He's He is broken, right? He is affected by what is happening around him, um, and yet he, in his supreme authority, is able to do anything, That's even bring solid. someone back from the dead. You got a future in this business. <laughs> I was thinking about you as a, a pastor and a teacher the other day, and I thought, here we are. I just over, like, by the time you will have been in ministry for 18 months, mm-hmm. by that point, you will have taught the entire Bible. <laughs> I guess so. What okay. are you going to do after that? <laughs> Teach it again. What's left? <laughs> I keep teaching it again. 18 months into ministry, I was done. <laughs> You can go back and listen to it at inandthrough.org. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, and so, I mean, amazing thing that happens. L- Lazarus is raised from the dead. The response, some people are really happy, and other people are like, we have to kill Jesus. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? Like, you would expect at least a wow. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, at, at some, like... I can't imagine that at this point, let's say, let's say I wouldn't fall into belief. 
Mm. Let's just let's just go there and say that's not going to happen. Okay. Maybe just uh how did that happen? Yeah, that's crazy. That's a that's a good question. Mhm. That's a great question. Yeah. Um fear. Mhm. How could I ever stand against this guy? Mhm. That's a great question. Sure. How are we going to come at him? What a strange question. <laughs> How cold-hearted do you have to be to see all these people celebrating and yeah. go, uh-uh, no. No. This man has the power over life and death. Let's try to kill him. Right. <laughs> like, and not just him, but they want to take Lazarus out, they too. They do, yeah. We find that out later. We yeah. got we to yeah. kill Lazarus. Yeah, because he's the prime prime evidence, right? That Yeah, it's nuts. You would, you would at least think the guy who came to the table with, I have an idea. Why don't we kill Lazarus? People be like, didn't work last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could be setting ourselves up for a problem here if Jesus just raises him again. Um, yeah, okay. Well, let's move Let's move into Luke. Uh, John 11 is great, but let's move into Luke. We get uh, some uh, a parable about the persistent widow, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess. There's some stuff that goes on in Luke 18. Mm-hmm. I just kind of say, okay, mm-hmm. uh, it's not really clear mm-hmm. what all Jesus is saying here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit here that if someone came in and they're like, sometimes we get emails, people saying, hey, do you mind uh, explaining this bit? If someone uh, says, hey, let's talk about Luke 18, mm-hmm. I'll say, sure. You're gonna need to give me a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to go have to read some commentaries it, written by not, guys smarter than me. It's not one you're going to just say off the top of your head, oh, well, this is obviously yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So the persistent widow, the Pharisee and the tax collector, mm-hmm. uh, which is a great, a great little scene. I do understand let the children come to me. Yeah. He didn't hate on the kids. Yeah. When I was a youth pastor, I had this sign on my door that had Jesus sort of in the background okay. with all these children crawling all over him and he's having a good time. Mm-hmm. And this guy who is dressed up to be you know one of the disciples mm-hmm. is looking at this person who's about shoulder high on him mm-hmm. and he says no 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 no. jesus said let the children come to me the junior high have to go with peter <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great i mean peter's pretty intense sometimes junior highs need a firm hand sure <laughs> <laughs> um, okay we get the rich young ruler mm-hmm. right the rich young ruler who I mean, it seems pretty sure of himself. And Jesus doesn't necessarily, like, correct that outright. He's like, oh, you've, you've done the whole law. Okay, great. Good job. Right. You have one thing. Um, just sell everything you have and give it to the poor and follow me. Yeah. And, and the guy, I, I've preached this message so many times. Mm. This, this is one of my go-to sermons. Okay. Because this sermon changed my life. Um mm. You know, sometimes you're like, oh, I listened to that sermon that changed my life. Yeah. This is a sermon that I preached that changed my life. Interesting. So, like, I wrote up the sermon. I was all about it. I was giving the sermon. Mm-hmm. And and I, I tell this story all the time, so most people have probably heard it before. But halfway through the sermon, I'm not even listening. Like, I'm, I'm certain I finished it. Mm-hmm. Because if I would have just stood there, someone would have said something about it. <laughs> right. But I have no clue how I ended that sermon mm. because I was so stuck in my head going, all right, 
little preacher man. <laughs> them some them some wise words you got there. What you gonna do with that? Yeah. yeah. And and this was the the point being, he's obviously shopping mm-hmm. in the same way that we turn over the prize tag and we look to see how precious this thing that we like is. Right. And we decide who wants it more. Me or the shopkeeper? Usually, I just default to the shopkeeper, roll <laughs> it back over, and go. And that's what he does, right? Hmm. He's buying. He's not surrendering. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Yeah, what's it going to cost Not, me? can I follow you? Mm-hmm. What's the price? Because mm-hmm. I got money. Yeah. And Jesus says, yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Jesus lays out for him the, the law. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, skipping the first one, yeah, just kind of yeah goes ahead. Yeah, I know. Throws him a couple softballs. Yep, sure. And then he reminds him of the first law, mm. having no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. And the man walks away sad because he has great wealth. Yeah. And in that, I this is the sermon that caused me to pack my bags and leave Arkansas, and I've never been home since. Hmm. E- except for the visit. Right. Interesting. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. I think we we continually need to check our hearts and see if there's, if we're holding anything back from God. Not that necessarily the call is to literally sell everything, but to be ready to. I think yeah. David Platt says it's not given that everyone has to sell all that they have in order to show that money is not their God. Mm-hmm. But if that gives you too much comfort, you might be the guy who needs to. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Spicy. Um, Matthew 19, we get some teaching about divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's interesting the how Jesus handles this subject because the Pharisees are right. There is a provision in the Mosaic law, right? Right. Um, there was a means to essentially abandon your wife for, I mean— Kind of any reason. I, I mean, with uh, not any yeah. reason, but like it gets interpreted that way by the time we get to the first century. Sure. Yeah. And we have famously, we have writings of particular schools of Jewish thought in the first century where there were teachings about like if the wife dishonors you, mm-hmm. although the more conservative interpretation of that would be that uh, the Bible is oftentimes. Uh, going to be as we are uh, in our society. We're going to sort of cloud uh, sexual things mm. in other language that just sort of says, we all know what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot of really conservative people would say, well, that's what it is. He just wasn't getting into it. Right. Um, but there were schools in the first century of Judaism that were saying dishonors you. You know what's dishonoring? Coming home from a hard day's work to a meal that's not good. Mm. Dumper. That's crazy. And they were teaching that. And you know what? Those were popular schools of thought because it gives you power to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so we get the, his teaching on divorce, essentially what God has brought together. Let no man separate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, we get to um, Mark 10, which again, Mark 10 is is kind of a, a reiteration of a lot of the things that we've already uh, we've already read. Right. Rich young man, children come to me. Yep. Divorce. Um, we also get the request <laughs> of James and John. 
So it's interesting in, in this account, we don't see mom show up. Right. But we know from other accounts that, that she was involved. So here's, here's a thought for you. Okay. Mark chooses to bring this up. Mm-hmm. As we've already said, Mark's gospel is the gospel of Peter. Mm-hmm. The gospel according to Peter as written by Mark. Written by Mark. Yep. And the top three are Peter, mm-hmm. James, and John. Right. Think there's anything about this that Peter's a little bit <laughs> miffed about? Yeah. <laughs> or or maybe maybe because what we know ultimately mm-hmm. is that the chief of the disciples is mm-hmm. Peter. Right. That's going to be made clear by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is him going. Hmm. <laughs> Look how that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. maybe and maybe oh I'm putting it all together now. Okay okay. And maybe that's why John has to get his back. By being like, yeah, but you know what? You're slow. <laughs> I outran you. Yeah, seriously. Um, maybe th- maybe there's some gamesmanship. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Probably not. Yeah. That might, th- I might get an email for that. But, uh, yeah. How about Matthew 20? Um, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And he, and he keeps needing more workers and so he comes back later on in the day you know to find the guys who were kind of hanging around downtown with nothing to do and essentially the wage that he offers them is the same regardless of when they started throughout the course of the day right and people are kind of ticked off about that right i haven't i haven't dived deep deep into this but i i think sometimes you know, we can get as Christians get into this game of like comparing how long we've been walking with the Lord, how long mm-hmm. we've been serving in the church, how many things that we've done, like how many, you know, badges we've got on our Christian sash, you know, which is an Awana sash. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, but I think what Christ is saying here is that he's he decides what the reward is sure right yeah and i've i've heard people like let's say for instance let's say for instance there was something that happened in a berlin bunker mm. and right before hitler was taken mm. his life snuffed out mm-hmm. he had this moment of repentance mhm Expect to see him there, mm-hmm. clothed in righteousness of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be miffed about it. Yeah. Because the grace and mercy made available to him is the grace and mercy made available to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I know that doesn't sit well with people. I know. I, I had that conversation with a friend of mine who's Jehovah's Witness, and he was appalled hmm. that I would make such a statement. He mm-hmm. saw it as pseudo blasphemy, hmm. right? Uh, and so his point was you can't just. It's like it's no different than anyone who who on their deathbed confesses mm-hmm. Christ, mm-hmm. and he was like, "It is different," and this really shocked me. He's like, "It is different." There's no opportunity for them to show the fruit of their faith. Mm. And I said, "Okay, hold on. Two things that you've got to reconcile: the thief on the cross, yep, and the uh, this story that we're talking about here." 
right? Mm -hmm. His spin on this story was that this is like an over the years thing. People who are saved later and people who were saved at the beginning of the early church Mm -hmm. all get the same reward. Oh. And I was like... Like over the course of church history. Right. Oh. And and so I I I had never been to Canada yet at that point. Mm-hmm. But if I had, I would have looked at him and said, "Yeah, no." Yeah. That's not at all what he's teaching here. <laughs> this is very much this is very much God's grace is sufficient mm-hmm. to save. Mm-hmm. He will determine who receives what reward based on his wisdom and just nature. Amen. And so now we're kind of, as we're working our way through, because we can't talk about every every little thing, but we're we're up to Matthew twenty one. This is the triumphal entry. Mm. Like Jesus is arriving, um, sends the disciples into town to find him a ride. A uh, very specific one, right? Because it had to fulfill the prophecy that was spoken by Zechariah hundreds and hundreds of years earlier. Right. Tells them right where it is. Yep. It says, here's where you'll find it. And just tell them, tell them that I need to borrow it. Yep. Tell them the Lord needs it. Right. Mm-hmm. And you think like, no one's going to buy that. Right. <laughs> like if I just walked up to you, grabbed the keys off your desk as an, as an unknown, mm-hmm. not as a friend and just said, Hey, I'm going to take your car because God, you'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you'd be like, no, you're not, because the police. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, But sure enough, he goes. The people confront him. They say what they were told to say, which they had to have been nervous about. Like, surely Mm -hmm. this guy. And the people are like, by all means. Yeah, go ahead. And he goes, and uh, and he he comes in with a triumphant entry. Yeah. What I like about Luke's account that he adds that Matthew doesn't have is— when people are praising him, so they're saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees go to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. They shouldn't be saying this. And he says, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. Right. It's epic. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so good. Right. So I preached on this two years ago here. Okay. The triumphal entry. Uh, on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, yeah. Because Palm Sunday is a bit of a, a strange thing for me. Okay. Uh, we always do like the Hosanna, Hosanna thing. Sure. Imitating these people doing this. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, these people, a week later, are yelling crucify. Yeah, the same people. The same people. And uh, and so I, I preached a sermon to say, be careful that you're following Christ for the reasons he came. Right. And not for the reasons you hoped he would come. Right. Because that's what went wrong in their hearts. Mm-hmm. They believed him to be something other than who he was. They didn't want to worship him. They wanted to worship who they perceived him to be. Mm. That God. And that's where they went wrong. And I, I ended up writing an article on this for the Gospel Coalition, uh, something like Palm Sunday through the eyes of Jonathan Edwards or something like that. Mm. But Jonathan Edwards talks about this. And Jonathan Edwards takes a similar approach. And I had someone come at me hard and say, it's obviously a different group of people. 
-hmm. right? It wasn't all the Jews, and so this is a portion of the Jews and then a different portion of the Jews. I don't think it's obvious. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Edwards didn't think it was obvious. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares what I think. Some people care what Jonathan Edwards thinks. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I think this is an expression of the fickle nature of the heart. Mm -hmm. Now, we did receive some feedback uh, saying we have to be careful saying the Jews because okay. it can be anti-Semitic. Mm. I use the language because the Bible uses the language. Yeah. It is understood that it is not all the Jews. Yeah, it's not a... The disciples were Jews. Jesus yeah, himself was a Jew. Yeah, they're not like this m monolithic single entity. There right. is... Yeah. we. I mean, we discussed in some of our episodes kind of the distinguishing even schools of thought within Judaism at the time. Right. right. Um, but yeah. But but when... But to say that these are these are distinguishable groups, I think is going too far. Yeah, we don't... Yeah, we don't... We don't get that. Jesus comes... Well, and we get some hints at what might have ticked people off, <laughs> mm -hmm. sure. uh, because as soon as Jesus shows up, he enters into the temple and he's giving people to boot. He is. He's kicking people out. Not even just a little bit. No, not no. He's flipping tables, and uh, he's upset. Um, and and I think it was funny because this a question came up about this. Um, this story in the youth group a couple weeks ago. I don't know how we got onto the subject, but I was like, here's the thing. I'm like, who is Jesus? And they're like, God. I said, what's the temple? God's house. So God was showing up in his house and people were doing bad things in his house. So he kicked them out of his house. Right. Jesus had every right to right. be flipping tables and chasing people out of there and beating them and making a whip and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. So that was for them. They, they're like, okay, that makes sense. I get that. Right. This sure. is not out of character for Jesus. This is Jesus' house. This yeah. was built for his glory. One thing I'm really tired of in in like this COVID world that we're living the number of things that I'm really tired of is long. <laughs> but one thing that I'm really tired of and uh and I feel like it's gonna rear up again is uh in the whole like whether we're not allowed to gather and all that kind of stuff and a lot of people want to use Jesus flipping tables mm. to say the church just shouldn't allow government to say we're not doing public gatherings right now oh, okay. uh, sometimes sometimes jesus had to fight back and we have to too not what was happening here yeah that's out of context if the government came in and said we're going to set up a cra tax booth sure in the sanctuary mm -hmm. if the government came in and said you have to give equal voice to all worldviews and so after your sermon we're going to do these other things mm -hmm. i flip a table yeah but I'll flip it with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not the situation. Right. Yeah. People are are I think people who are frustrated with the circumstances are grasping at parts of scripture that have nothing to do with the current situation. There mm. might be other parts of scripture that might have something to do with that. But, but not that. But not that. Um Yeah, so Jesus is I mean, he's cursing trees. <laughs> he's getting in fights with the Pharisees. Um So so here when we were we were doing a praxis study through Mark years ago, okay, uh, when I was still in Toronto, and Joe was a part of that study, and Joe makes this really keen observation that the public persona of Jesus after the triumphal entry is pretty cranky. Yeah, right. Like there's he doesn't have that sort of uh, that same sort of 
compassion and patience for all kind of thing. Mm -hmm. He does have this long run of conversation with the disciples in John, Mm -hmm. preparing them for his going. Mm -hmm. But his dealing with the Pharisees and the public is, is pretty, yeah. So the question is, not the statement, but the question is, does he look at the triumphal entry and just go, no way. Hmm. This hmm. is this is you're you're not saying what you mean. Hmm. So I don't know. Just throw it out there. It'd be an, it'd be an interesting way to read through the rest of that. So I want to put it out there so yeah. the readers can. No, I like that. Can think about it for themselves. I like that. But one of the things we I I want us to talk about the parable of the tenants. It shows up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It is here in Matthew twenty one. Mm-hmm. It's also in Mark twelve. Yep. Um, this is to me the most undertaught parable, hmm. but one of the most important parables, right? I, I would say, I would say probably the parable of the man who finds the hidden treasure, hmm. sells everything, is probably the most important of the parables. If, if I was forced to rank them, mm-hmm. because it basically it says, let go of the things of this world and yeah. follow the kingdom well, of Well, and Jesus repeats that same essential message through multiple parables right. all together, right? So that's an important message. But it's also well taught. It is, yeah. This one, I would say, is the most underrated because it is of vast importance, although maybe not as crucial, mm. but it is still really undertaught. Mm. The reason this parable matters so much is because... So many Christians are confused about the transition between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Mm -hmm. the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Mm -hmm. And they want so badly to go back and say, well, if the Old Testament is still our Bible and is still without flaw of Jesus and the apostles are still referencing it, then it must all still be equally as applicable. Mm -hmm. And it carries on even into their eschatology, their study of things to come. Mm -hmm. And they don't see the closing of one chapter and the opening of the next chapter. Mm -hmm. And that's what this parable is. Mm -hmm. This parable is Jesus explaining to them that day is over Mm. and soon I'm going to be calling in new tenants. Mm. And that's the church. Yeah. And, and I say that because when he opens this, he, he's essentially quoting Isaiah five hypothetically, let's just say there was a man with a, I don't know, a vineyard. (laughs) And let me describe that vineyard. I don't know, like the one in Isaiah 5. Remember the one that God (laughs) said, this is my people, Israel? It's as if they were a vineyard. And let's say that there were people who were given charge over that vineyard. Mm. And everyone that came in to collect the things that belonged to the owner of the vineyard, they ignored and ran away. Mm-hmm. And then the owner of the vineyard said, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son, mm. hypothetically. <laughs> and they looked at him and they said, if we kill him, mm. then there's no heir. And we receive the vineyard. Mm. And when he finishes, both Matthew and Mark say, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parable, they perceived that he was speaking about them. Hmm. Good job, guys. Yeah, seriously. Way to add it up. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea, it's, uh, it's stated in both Matthew and Mark, the idea is that they were going to arrest him on sight. Mm-hmm. They were so angry and kill him right there. Mm-hmm. But they were afraid of the crowds because they perceived that this was about them. Mm-hmm. That he was a prophet, yeah. And not that they were convicted that this is about them, yeah. but they were like, oh no, he's talking about us, and he's right. Mm. And we're going to take him down. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus lays out his death, the reason for his death, in front of those people who would take his life, and shows us in that the opening and the closing of the Jews as the people of God being led by the law and the priests versus the church who would become the the protectors mm-hmm. of the promise of God and the leaders of his people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's paralleled in the following chapter of Matthew uh, with the wedding feast. Right. Right. Those initial guests disregard or abuse the messengers um, and they're punished for it. it says that uh, the king sends his sends his soldiers um, to burn their city. Um, and then they just the king is sending his messengers like anywhere, like anywhere you can find people who are who are willing to come. Like, just go find people. Um, and. uh yeah, gathered all whom they had found. Um, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. And so, again, like Jesus is just giving them a sneak peek at how this thing's going to play out long term. Right? There are perhaps some of, I mean, we know that the, the, the initial core of the church was Jewish, but right. the majority of Israel rejected Christ. And so over time, other people began to be included. Right? And, and you know, God sent his messengers Paul and Barnabas and and they're and they're like out into the hedges and the highways to uh, to gather in the Gentiles. Should we talk about paying taxes to Caesar? Quickly, yes. Pay taxes to Caesar. Pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I this is this is a thing that I've I understand. I understand this to mean that there's. Jesus is teaching what he's not saying. Mm. Maybe is a sort of confusing way to say this. Because mm. this is what I've seen the more I've looked at this. Uh, in fact, I also wrote an article on this for the Gospel Coalition. Nice. Uh, this is like one of the first ones I ever did. Uh, when Jesus says, pay unto Caesar what, what is Caesar's, he's mm-hmm. answering the question yep. that he was asked. Mm-hmm. But then he turns it around to say, and give to God that which is God's. Mm-hmm. Not talking about temple tax. Yeah. Talking about everything else. Mm-hmm. Everything that is not your tax to Caesar mm-hmm. belongs to God, mm-hmm. which includes your hope, mm-hmm. your security, and your faith. Yeah. And so for everyone who's looking south of the border at an impending election, mm-hmm. everyone who looks to uh, governmental administration, if we could only put in the right people mm-hmm. or pass the right laws, and if we don't, chaos. No. Right. Yeah. You're giving to Caesar what belongs to God. Yeah. Don't give Caesar what belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Give to God that which is God's. Mm-hmm. Caesar 
gets your taxes. Mm-hmm. That's nothing. God gets your hope. Yep. Amen. Amen. Highlights? Highlights for me, I want to go all the way back to the very first chapter we discussed in John 11. During this plot to kill Jesus, mm-hmm. the priests are all getting together. and They're having this discussion. And Caiaphas, who was the high priest, pipes up. Right during this discussion, because people are kind right. of pushing back, saying, "Well, people, yep, yep. you know, people might get upset, and oh, what if the Romans take away our authority?" And he says, "You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish." And what did he mean by that? What he meant was, if we kill this guy, it'll prevent the order that the established order from being toppled, and it will. It will preserve this structure that, you know, where we have at least some measure of freedom and power underneath the Roman rule. That's what he meant There's by it. There's security in getting rid of the rebel. Yeah. But he did not say this of his own accord. Right. But being high priest that year, he prophes- he prophesied unknowingly, yes. which is just the coolest thing it is. that God would use an unwilling participant to bring about prophecy that Jesus would die for the nation and not for that nation only, but also to gather into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. Mm -hmm. So cool. He thought he knew what he was saying. Yeah. And he thought he was being smart. Yeah. And he was way smarter than he thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. It's better for one man to die for the whole nation. It's like, yes, but, but not in the way that you're thinking. Right. Oh man. That's gold. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. You know, I was, I was, came in sort of prepared to say the parable of the tenants. Okay. Just really means a lot to me. Uh, I think we talked about that pretty in depth, so I don't want to use my, uh, my bonus card on that. Okay. I think I'm going to say Jesus wept. Mm. I think, uh, you know, not pretending there's, there has been like this really strange season that I've been going through for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people listening that are like, oh, Tim hasn't responded to my email in some time he must not (laughs) want to talk to me i'm just having trouble getting through Mm -hmm. and uh and i've never done this before it's weird for me Mm -hmm. uh but just that expression that even christ the son of the living god Mm -hmm. felt the weight of a fallen world Mm. is comforting and it reminds me that in hebrews we were given a high priest who was tempted in every way that we were Mm -hmm. but without fail Mm -hmm. and so it's good it's good to know that uh i mean you know you're not alone that other people go through it too Mm -hmm. but that even even christ went through it yeah is uh and it wasn't a failure wasn't a failure for him to to weep in those circumstances right yeah i think i've I've said it too many times. Uh, I'm here to be part of the solution, not to be the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that that being something I've said probably since high school, and meaning sort of like I I just sort of bury my stuff mm. because other people need to be carried through. Kind of like I would maybe say uh, if you've got a brother on the battlefield who's been wounded and you've been shot in the foot you pick them up and you limp along and you don't lay there worrying about your foot because this guy's 
lives in trouble. That's mm-hmm. the way I've always seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you got to get that foot looked after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that I've brought clouds into your day, <laughs> thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario. In cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada, it is produced by Alex Walker. Have a good day. Love you guys.